Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heat is Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. And we are still in September, still just the last few weeks of the offseason before training camp starts next week. We'll get to that up ahead. But since we're in the offseason, uh, and since my first two pods is coming back from the summer break, we're a little pessimistic. First talking about the failed whale hunts, and then talking about the giant glaring hole we have at the power forward spot. This week, I want to be a little more optimistic and talk about internal improvement we can look to see from Miami players coming back from the offseason. And what I'm like really looking for here, primarily, I'm going to talk about Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. Those are like Miami's two young players that are essentially still in the middle of their, what I guess we would call a development cycle right before they hit their prime. But at the end, there's still going to be some shout-outs for other players like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, you know, older players, and what they could, you know, have worked on in the offseason to come back and be better. Because one of the things with basketball is you can always improve, you can always try to gain another skill. It's one of the things that I, I myself always enjoy about it is the, you know, how you try to round out your game and be more versatile, and that's just what's cherished in the NBA. Uh, unfortunately, that kind of versatility and that kind of work that re- it requires can't really be done in the regular season. You know, you're playing games every other day, sometimes every day because you have back-to-backs. You don't really have much time to practice. Most of it's really spent recovering for the next game because, you know, it's a marathon once you get to the regular season. In the playoffs, obviously, you're not learning anything new at all there because you're just trying to win a title at that point. So really it's the off-season that gives us our opportunities to, you know, well, I say us, that gives the players the opportunities to, like, step back and say, okay, what do I need to add to my game for next year to be a better player? And, it, it, again, it's that kind of thinking that leads me to focus mainly on players like Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero that are still growing, they're still young, they're still developing, and so we're going to start with them. Uh, first up, Bam Adebayo, Miami's max player, their young cornerstone, Mr. No Ceiling, as I like to call him. So for this upcoming season, this will actually be year six for Bam Adebayo. And just, again, a quick overlook of his career so far. Um, first two years was primarily spot minutes and a backup for Hassan Whiteside. Near the end of the second year, he started to flash that he should maybe be the starter over Whiteside. Whiteside had his own issues as well. But that summer after his second year is when we got Jimmy Butler. And then we know the last three years have been a lot of, holy crap, Pam Adebayo's pretty good at defense. And we'll see how far he can get on offense. Though for people like me that watched Bam from Rookie, we knew that he was a really great defender. The, the story I always used was I was at the game his rookie year, Warriors came into Miami, and Bam Adebayo had to defend Steph Curry on an island and did it flawlessly. And I was like, all right, at the very least, this dude's going to be able to defend his ass off and make a career out of that. Fortunately, he's added a bit more to that over the years, especially, again, we knew the defense was there, and it's going to be the question of the offense. So he's been able to add more to his offensive game over the last few years, and now we're you know we're starting to see, like, all right, how high can we get now? Because it does keep improving uh, every year. So for reference, last season, Bam finished averaging 19.1 points, uh, 10.1 rebounds, 3.4 assists per game on 55.7% shooting from the field, a negligible, I think it was like, I'm just going to say negligible from three because Bam barely shot any threes. We'll get that later. And then from the free throw line, 75.5%. So it took a dip in the free throw shooting. Uh, also took a bit of a dip in the assists from the previous year, but that makes sense. Uh, we got Kyle Lowry last year, and Kyle Lowry did a lot more of the playmaking, ball handling, and assist duties to let Bam be more of just the bludgeon instead. 
So the good new things for Bam, he has increased his points per game every season since his rookie year. And for the most part, he has increased his efficiencies as well, like his shooting efficiencies and splits. The only time that really deviated was this last season. His efficiency dropped a little bit, though you could maybe point to a stretch of time where he had to come back from an injury. I mean, he was out for, what, six weeks between December and the first few weeks of January. So maybe if you looked at that stretch when he came back in January, you would see the dip that pulled his efficiency down overall. But still, points per game going up, and it's not like he's shooting it at bad efficiency. He's still, you know, over 50% from the field. Just just to say that it did dip a little bit. So maybe we're starting to see a little bit of the plateau for where Bam's offensive ceiling can be. Because obviously, like, you could still just have him keep jacking up shots. And sure, you might still get the increased points per game. But if it's at a lower deficiency, then that might necessarily be the most efficient offense because of that. And typically we see with volume increasing, efficiency goes down. But positives. <laughs> so let's do a positive today. So uh, the big thing that came that came to my mind, I've mentioned this on previous pods before, and I'll, I'll just reiterate it here again. This is the first full offseason BAM has had since Jimmy arrived. So again, to go back to that timetable, right? You go to the 1920 season while well, we had the hiatus because of a pandemic. I don't know if you ever heard about it, the coronavirus pandemic, caused a hiatus in the season. And then by the time it got back, the Heat went to the NBA Finals because of the way the schedule worked out. That was in October. And then the season started in December. So we had that two-month turnaround. Pretty much every team that made the conference finals in the bubble in the 2020 season suffered the following season. Again, because of a very shortened offseason, so you can't really expect Bam to add that much to his game. And then you say, well, what about last year? Well, last year, Bam was playing on the Olympic team uh, because the Olympics got postponed, again, because of the, the whole pandemic thing, but it got postponed to last offseason, the 2021 offseason. And so Bam, didn't again, did not get an opportunity to really add to his game. He mainly had to polish everything he had so that he could play for the Olympics and help the United States win gold, which he did. Great. Fantastic. And he even had players like Kevin Durant extremely impressed with his play. But again, it goes back to the point that he didn't really have that kind of offseason you would expect to be able to add to his game. This offseason was the different one. Yes, the Heat did go deep into the playoffs, but because we were on a more regular season approach, that was at the end of May. So Bam has essentially had June, July, August, and September to add more to his game. And what we really hope that he has been working on is obviously the offensive parts. Defensively, he's going to be defensive player of the year so long as he remains healthy. Like, just mentality, he has it. Athleticism, he has it. He could defend anybody out there. There's just about no concerns you really have for that end. It's always on the offensive end. And from really what we're talking about offensively is his consistency and his aggression. I mean, I have been on this podcast more than once, twice, three, four times, just not only calling for Bam to be aggressive, but to maintain that aggression. He tends to ebb and flow as we go throughout the season. We're like, he'll ebb and it'll be really high and like he's just really aggressive. He's just crushing teams and you're just, you know, it'll go for a week, sometimes two weeks. I mean, we even saw this in this last season as well and I called it out then like, he understands he needs to be aggressive because he'll say, I need to be aggressive, and then he'll spend like a week or two being aggressive. But it just eventually always tapers off. And that's the part, I mean, to his credit, it does seem like 
those ebbs of aggression are starting to last a little bit longer before they flow down. So, you know, maybe we can point to that and say, like, okay, he is starting to get it, and it's just a matter of extending those periods of aggression from two weeks to then three weeks to then a month to then maybe even an entire season. But he's entering his prime right now, you know, 25 years old, going into his sixth year. This is probably, like, we got maybe like a year or two until we see about where... Bam really, you know, settles in in terms of an offensive ceiling. From what we've seen a little bit through the offseason, mainly I'm looking towards just, like, essentially scrimmage games that he's played. But in those games, we have seen a Bam Adebayo that tries to be a bit more of a ball handler, tries to shoot a little bit more, because, again, the one thing I've always pounded over and over is, please, Bam, you don't even need to make make them just at least attempt the threes and try to make that part of your arsenal eventually. But between the threes and then the ball handling, I think that can give us a bit of an idea of what we can expect for Bam coming into this following season. So if Bam Adebayo has improved his handle, not only does that help in terms of his transition game, I do think that there's an opportunity for Bam to be more of a transition player because he's just a, such a freak athlete that if he can grab that rebound and then beat multiple people down the floor for a dunk or a Euro layup or something like that. Like, that's just going to help everybody out. That means Jimmy Butler doesn't have to run all the way down the court or a Kyle Lowry. Like, if he can, if Bam can handle that, that's better. And then also in response a little bit to last week's podcast talking about potentially playing Bam as a power forward, having that handle and that shooting is what's going to help him play the four, like, actually as a four. Because we talked previously how... The, the way that it tended to work was like if Bam was playing the four, it was almost like a pseudo four in the sense of he would play the four on defense but play the five on offense. So he could still set screens, rolls, you know, things along those lines. He wasn't really playing the four on offense. And we were relying upon a stretch five to kind of fill in that, that four spot as well. Just again, just literally be a catch and shoot threat there, which isn't the most dynamic offensively. What could be more dynamic is Bam Adebayo having a handle and at least being a little bit of a willing three-point shooter, and then he can actually legitimately play the four, uh, you know, not only from if they're trying to go small line, sorry, bigger lineups with Dwayne Dedman and Yurt Seven playing the five, or in an even crazy situation, you still play your Bam at the five, but if he can play out more on the perimeter, congratulations, you're going five out at that point. And that's just gnarly in terms of spacing, especially for a player like Jimmy Butler to get to the rim. So ultimately, I think the focus on the ball handling and the shooting that we've seen, at least from from the scrimmage games, if that's actually something that he's legitimately working on to translate into the regular season, that could pay off huge dividends. Like, again, the ball handling could be another transition bucket. It could be the dribble handoff, but instead he keeps it, kind of like the Kelly Keeper we had from a few years ago, and he just blows by whoever his defender is for to get onto the short roll and, and can work off of that, whether that be passing or dunking. So... And then obviously the shooting, shooting is his own thing, right? In the sense of just, if you can make three-point shot, then that's just money. That's just automatic money. You're going to get points because you're going to be a catch-and-shoot threat there. So between those two, like, if he's an improved ball handler and if he's an improved shooter, I see no reason why Bam Adebayo couldn't set a goal of being a 20-10 and 10 player next year. I mean, he's already got the, the rebounds part down. He So long as he's not being asked to go onto the perimeter too much and be away from the basket where the you know the ball tends to be available for rebounds, he can pretty much average double-digit rebounds no problem. 
And then it's just the question of can he continue to improve from 19.1 points, get 0.9 points per game better, break that 20-point threshold, and be a 20-10 and 10 guy. But that's Bam out of though. Even if he never improves that much more offensively, he's still a max-level player just because of his uh, defensive side. But he's not our only young player that c- hopes to come in looking better this off after this offseason. Other big one, Tyler Hero. So Tyler Hero will be going into his fourth year, age 22. Like, again, that's still important, I, I think, to consider, right? Bam at about 25 is still a year or two away from, like, legitimately, certainly being in his prime. Hero is still several years away from that. So we always have to remember with Tyler Hero just how young he is and how much he has shown for his age already. Is it so much that we're like, oh, wow, this is one of the, like, again, like he said before, like he wants to be in the realm of Doncic and Trey Young. Is he in there? No. Well, he's defensively better than Trey Young, but I think I might be better defensively than Trey Young. But uh, offensively, he's very clearly not in those levels. And in terms of respect around the league, uh, he's definitely not in those levels. So he still has work to get to. But, you know, know, it's skins, right? He's not so great. He's not so bad. He's somewhere in the middle. This is fine. Just means he has opportunity to grow. And yeah, hopefully he still does show some growth because there are still questions surrounding Tyler Hero on both ends of the floor. Offensively, the question is how high can he get? We know Tyler Hero is at least a good offensive player. You don't average over 20 points per game in the NBA without being at least a good offensive player. This is the question of how high can he get? Can he get up to like a Trey Young or a Luka Doncic level offensive threat? Uh, obviously, he's not there yet, but can he get closer to that or further up there and then defensively the question is just can he be serviceable so you know it's a little bit of the same question you're we're asking how high the ceiling is it's just the difference is that on the defensive end we kind of understand he's never going to be great uh we just want him to be serviceable or even maybe even good and then offensively is where we want him to be great so opposite to bam at about but looking back to last season i mentioned it a little bit already uh he last season tyler hero averaged 20.7 points Five rebounds, four assists on 44.7% from the field, 39.9% from three, and 86.8% from the free throw line. Oh yeah, and one six man of the year award. In large part to that 20.7 points per game that he averaged off of the bench. Because traditionally, six man goes to roughly the best scorer off the bench. But again, I just want to take a step back and just just look at that stat line in general, right? So we'll round it. So 21 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists per game. On solid efficiencies, I mean, not, not the best field goal percentage, but he does take a, a majority of shots from 3. Um, pretty much just right at 40% from 3, 87% from the line. Like, that is still a pretty damn good player. But we do want more. So if we look over the course of Tyler's career, he has increased, like Bam, he's increased his points per game every single season, and only his third season averaged over 20 points per game. Also, though it is not necessarily the highest at 44.7% field goal, he has increased that field goal percentage every single season as well. Some of that comes from a little bit of shot selection, you know, taking less of those long twos, more of those mid-range spots that he knows he's good at. Some of it's also getting into the lane. Like, we specifically saw that last season. So, uh, Tyler Hero was not in the Olympics, so he actually had that full offseason on, like, BAM to add to his game. And the big thing that he added going into last year was more physicality. Like, he 
went into the gym, he put on some muscle, and then he was able to come out, force himself to the rim, get free throws, draw some contact, and be you know be a bit more of a well-rounded offensive player. Because beforehand, it was a lot more finesse-type moves. You know, can I finesse around this spot to, to get an easy layup or a floater, or I can get to this spot for a mid-range jumper, or just catch and shoot three. More so stuff like that. Which, as the defense, you just say, okay, well, force him into that mid-range shot, wall off the basket. He's not really going to make much of a, a you know try at it. And, yeah, that was where our hero said, okay, well, no, I'm going to add the physicality to my game so then I can get to the rim and start to force you to foul me. And to Hero's credit, just like a lot of his stats, he has increased his free throw attempts per game throughout the first three years of his career. Last year, I think it was about 3.3 free throw attempts. So, And given that he shoots 87%, that can be a source of offense. It just needs to be something he needs to go to a little bit more. Like He still doesn't quite have the size to, to make that more of a mainstay weapon like, say, a Jimmy Butler or a Bam Adebayo does. But he still just needs to... It almost looks like he's still shying away just a little bit from certain types of contact. Like, there are certain ones where it's like, okay, I can get into the defender here, and I can get this contact, get this get this foul. Then there are other times where he's like, okay, I'm not quite sure I'm going to try to avoid this contact and just get the layup. Whereas, give him a little bit more, give him another, again, another offseason that he can put on muscle and physicality, and maybe we can start to see that be a bit more of a threat and average around five to maybe even six free throw attempts per game. Other trends of interest that I've noticed over Tyler Hero's career, um, he's having less of his field goal, like year by year, he's having less of his field goals being assisted upon, meaning he, there are more, sorry, more of his field goals are coming from times where he is creating his shot for himself versus, say, like if you're a catch-and-shoot player sitting in the corner, somebody passes you the ball, you shoot it, great. That is an assisted field goal that you just had. He's having less of those, which trends towards you know what Miami ultimately hopes Hero can be, which is kind of a go-to score. Now, the big trend, big knock on Hero, of course, is his defense. Uh, he's still hunted defensively. He has a little bit of a shorter wingspan versus most NBA players. And then, you know, there's limited athleticism as well. It, it shows up on both the offensive and the defensive end. So because of that... It becomes a balancing act, right, of can Hero provide enough offense to make up for the defensive concerns? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes depends on who you're sharing the floor with. And where that balancing problem, I feel, really feeds into, and is probably the most glaring part of Tyler's game at the moment, is how over the last two years, what he's been doing in the regular season, the success he's had there, has not translated to the playoffs. Granted, twenty, you know, his rookie season... In the playoffs, 2020 bubble, he made a bit of a name for himself in that Celtics series in the Eastern Conference Finals. But going into those playoffs, Hero was still a relative unknown, and you don't really expect rookies to perform quite so well in the playoffs. You know, the lights get brighter and all that, that kind of stuff. So that felt more like Hero catching the league off guard than it did Hero being s- such a great playoff performer. And I think that panned out over the following two playoff season uh, seasons, where the 2021 playoff season, the Heat got absolutely smoked, swept by the Bucks, unfortunately. Uh, and part of what went into that was just the way that Tyler Hero got completely neutered by the Bucks' defense. 
And then you go into last year with the playoffs that we just finished up, the 2022 playoffs, where Hero was, he was like a, a little bit of a contributor, but if there were games where you saw Hero get the short hook from Spolster, you just weren't surprised. He wasn't performing and producing at that, again, that elite level that he was doing in the regular season. And granted, we did find out after the fact that he had gotten a groin injury throughout the playoffs. And, and I mean, if you played basketball you and you've injured your groin, you understand how a groin injury pretty much affects just about every aspect of your game, from shooting to walking to running, sprinting, defending, all of it. All of it comes from your hips and your core, and part of that is your groin. So an injury there affects a lot of stuff. But we didn't find that out until afterwards. And when you find out about injuries afterwards, it becomes the question of how long was this injury persisting? Are you just trying, did this injury just happen and it got really bad in the last game or two? Or has this been going on for a series or two? Don't really have the specifics on that. So thus we're, we're left to question how much of the relatively lackluster performance in uh, last season's playoffs, how much of that was the result of injury and how much was the result of, like we're saying, the league understanding what Hero does well and being able to shut that off come playoff time. For what it's worth for me, I put it at about 50-50. Like, a groin injury is legit. They can be long-term and nagging and a pain, and again, they affect just about every aspect of your game. On the other hand... I mean, there's no way that that injury was was still present in the Hawks series. You would have heard about it then. And Hero wasn't really lining up the Hawks either. Uh, Philly, you know, becomes debatable. But just to say that, like, I do still think that there's more stuff that Hero needs to work on to get his game to translate better to the playoffs. I think most importantly of all, as I've already said a few times throughout this Hero segment, is physicality, putting on muscle, putting on weight, being more explosive, being more athletic. We did see a noticeable improvement in athleticism going into last season. Granted, it wasn't quite enough, but you know you see, you see the bump go up once, and then you hope that there's still more room for him to grow athletically. And that's just going to, again, translate to both sides of the floor. The more athletic he is, the better a defender is. I have no doubt that Tyler Hero lacks you know, the motivation, or the intelligence. Like, he seems like a really smart, has a high basketball IQ kind of player, uh, just at least from the way he manipulates angles on the offensive end. So if he can take that kind of knowledge and translate to the defensive end and then have the athleticism to keep up with it, I see no reason why a hero couldn't at least be serviceable, neutral, good, which, given his already good on offense, you know, that again, that tilts that balance more in his favor for more minutes, more impact. Oh, yeah, and then offensively, uh, if he's more athletic, then that helps him more. So get to the rim, that helps force defenders to foul him, put him back on the line. Uh, it just, Again, actually, I should probably phrase it more as it allows him to put pressure on the rim, which then allows him to get to some of the other aspects of his game, the pull-up mid-range, the three-point shot that can really crush an opponent, like morally. So that's why for me over the offseason, I hope that Hero has focused on building up his body with one one big skill that he needs to add, which is the ability on offense to pass out of a trap or dribble out of it or whatever. Have a way to beat the trap because we did start to see that in the Philadelphia series and then in the Boston series as well where opposing teams, whenever Tyler Hero would try to run a pick and roll, they would just trap him way up high instead and Hero didn't have a good counter to get out of that. Usually when you're 
when you do something when you have a situation like that you want to be able to like get that bounce pass out he doesn't quite have the most height to get it over the top of the defense um but or you could just be a little bit quicker getting that pass out before the trap really comes in but just for him he should know going into the season that that is something teams are going to try to do to him hit him with the trap so he should have a counter for it after an off season of work but if he can just bulk up more and be more athletic, that would be sufficient to then feed into the other parts of his game that are already pretty good uh, and just raise the overall quality. And so my goal for Hero going into this next season, win that starting two spot, be the perimeter scorer that this team needs. Like, the reason why the Heat were so interested in certain players like Durant uh, Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell is their elite perimeter scoring ability. And when you look at the construct of this team, that has also been the thing that they really miss the most. Like Jimmy's a great two-way player and can write, raise his game in those clutch moments to help take you over the top. Bam's a two-way force, more so on the defensive end, and provide and can provide steady offense so long as he's remaining aggressive. What they need is they need that bombastic perimeter shooter slash scorer that can just get them, you know, 20, 21 to however many points per game on good efficiency and keep Miami's offense afloat until it's closing time for Jimmy Butler. And, you know, you get Hero a little bit more athletic than he was last year. I think that's a role that he can fit. Okay, so about 25 minutes in, I've spent it pretty much just talking about Bam and Tyler. I, for good reason, though. I do think, like, if you're looking at where Miami can improve internally from last season to this season, you got to look at those two. Again, right in the middle of their development cycle, uh, Bam about to enter his prime. Those are going to be the best areas for Miami to improve internally. And if you look at their, you know, from when they entered the league till now, you can also see reason for optimism because these are two players that, regardless of the circumstances, still continue to improve year after year. But to close this out before we get done, I did want to go kind of more lightning round style and talk about other players that, you know, maybe not necessarily improve in terms of like taking a leap or a big, huge step forward, but could just add small little things that help round out their game. So I'm primarily looking here at, like, for example, Jimmy Butler. Keep working on that three. Once he got to the playoffs, Jimmy Butler started to uncork that three a little bit more. And it was a a bit of a weapon, Um, even though in the end it was the Jimmy three-pointer that didn't go in uh, that cost us game seven. But leading up to it, I mean, Jimmy shot that three for a reason. He had been able to nail it quite a few times, you know, throughout the playoffs. So let's translate that to the regular season. Like, the more threes Jimmy takes, less less burden it is on his knees and legs. It allows him to coast a little bit more through the regular season. And obviously also makes him a little bit more of a floor spacer as well, especially if he's going to be playing the four, uh, or even if he doesn't play the four, if he just stays at the three. But regardless of what it is, and because of the, the age of the basketball that we're in, Jimmy Butler having a three-point shot just makes him a more lethal player. And I think it allows him to coast a little bit more and keep in reserve the energy he needs for the crucial moments. Because, I mean, Jimmy is going into his age 33 season. So he's got to start finding different ways to preserve his body throughout the regular season into the playoffs. And to his credit, there has been a good amount on social media from Jimmy Butler of him shooting threes. So 
seems like it's hinting at at that idea. So hopefully it's more more than just off-season teaser. Up next, real quick, Kyle Lowry. So the big knock on Lowry, I mean, even Pat Riley himself said it, that Lowry needed to get in better shape. Uh, I'm not one of those people that's going to dog on Lowry for being out of shape. I mean, he went through whatever it was. It was a serious personal thing that affected him through several weeks of the season after he had carried the heat through the dark times when Bam and Jimmy were both down due to injury. So, like, Lowry had a lot on his plate last year, and then he got injured on top of that in the Atlanta Hawks series, and that hamstring injury just lingered throughout the entire playoffs. So I, I see where Riley and them are coming from, I'm, and I understand putting that expectation on Lowry to be in better shape. To his credit, Lowry does look from the offseason videos. He looks thin except for his butt because his butt's always big. But other than that, he looks thin. He looks in shape. He looks actually about the best shape of his life. So he did respond to Riley's challenge is just to say that I felt like what Lowry went through last year was at least excuse, uh, somewhat excusable. Uh, but like I said, he went into the offseason. It looks like he's been working out like crazy. He looks in great shape. And we could really hope to see a more athletic Kyle Lowry going into next season, which, I mean, Lowry thinks, what, 37, 38? I want to say 37. So kind of like Jimmy, he's got to come up with those ways to keep his body, you know, through the regular season and have it intact for the playoffs. And just in general, being in great shape will help out with that. It's just less burden on the knees and on the joints if you have less weight. You know, he can just get out and transition a little bit easier. Hey, feed it off to Bam, feed it off to Hero. I mean, uh, Lowry's a veteran. He he knows tricks by now for preserving it. But just going into the season already at a higher athletic level because he doesn't have to worry about a move from Toronto to Miami or anything like that. So going in at a higher athletic level will just help pay dividends throughout the season and hopefully into the playoffs. Up next, Victor Oladipo. So the big thing with for Oladipo is a little bit similar to like Bam or Tyler. It's having that full off season to like really put in the work. For in Oladipo's case, uh, the last few years he's primarily been injured, rehabbing throughout the off seasons. Um, so now he is healthy. He gets a full off season to try to bring his game back closer to the All Star level that he had reached before. I am hesitant to put the goal to say, oh, Oladipo should be able to reach that all-star level. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's been through multiple leg injuries by this point. It's, I think it's a little bit unfair to put that expectation on there. But at the very least, for Oladipo, he should be either Miami starting two, if he actually did get up to that high level and can beat out Tyler and Max Drews for it. Or if not that, if Tyler ends up the starter, then Oladipo should be the sixth man. So that would be my goal for him, and he's had the offseason to get himself to that level. Two more, real quick. First up, Caleb Martin. Uh, first full offseason in Miami. He was more so fighting for his NBA life last offseason. Uh, this offseason, he gets that full one in Miami. Hopefully he's get it, He's gotten to add, a, like Hero, add some more weight to his frame because Martin, <laughs> right now Martin looks like maybe the best case to be Miami starting power forward. So you will need that extra bulk if he's going to be banging with those kinds of players. But other than that, it's just in general improvement, right? You can always be a better three-point shooter. You can always be a better free throw shooter. You can always try to be a little more athletic. But for Martin, I would, would really hope 
the internal improvement is he got bulkier over the offseason so that way he can bang around more with the force. And then lastly for the lightning round, Duncan Robinson just the the it was so weird. Well, they're not so weird cuz he did get a big contract and contracts like that can weigh on a player's mind. But it was really weird still how much his three-point shooting started to dip off uh, last season. Some of it was, you know, a little bit his reliance upon Bam. I think that's something that we really saw when Bam went down in December, beginning of January, was how much Duncan's production relied upon those dribble handoffs from Bam. So, but that's why it's, then that makes that an opportunity, right? Don't be so reliant upon Bam to get your shot off. Maybe that just means you keep working on your conditioning so you can run through 10,000 screens. Maybe that's being able to, you know, attack closeouts by putting the ball on the floor, work on those kinds of skills. With Duncan, it I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? He needs to both round out his game a little bit, like like I mentioned, be able to attack closeouts, uh, be able to produce offensively without relying upon Bam Adebayo and dribble handoffs, but he also does need to get his shot working right, whether that's just all mental and he needs to mentally work through whatever it is, or if there's something mechan- I don't think there's anything mechanically. I think it's more mental. But whatever it is, get through it and get back to being effective. Um, yeah, because right now Duncan, I think, is closer to on the outside looking in in terms of rotation, which given he's still got four years uh, and what, 75 million, 70, 75 million, somewhere around that, still to come his way. Uh, the Heat need him to be an effective part of the rotation at the very least. Otherwise, he's just dead money on the books. Uh, but I still believe in Duncan, right? This is still a dude that came from pretty much being out of the league, undrafted, to you know getting a five-year, $90 million contract for, for good reason. Like, he was legitimately that good of a shooter. We just need to get him. We just need him to get back. To where he was. Kind of like Oladipo, right? Like you don't really necessarily improve upon where you were before. Just try to get at least get back there. But yeah, these were my primary targets for internal improvement. Just to try to, to speak positively about where we could see, you know, fun things to come from this Miami team going into the next season. Training camp will be next week. So again, like we're we're almost there. We're just about to preseason, which is pretty much the start of the regular season. But what I'm going to look at next week, uh, as we know, the for, for the starting lineup, we pretty much have three locks, right? Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. The two big questions are the starting two uh, and the starting four. So next week, I'm going to look at you know who the potential players could be to win those starting position spots. But that'll be all for this episode. Please be sure to follow the pod at Heaters Heating off Twitter or myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball for Twitter. I include links for all of those in the show notes. But until then, I'll be back next week. Have a good one, Heat Nation.